0: A job at a large company is about career development, much more outwardly focused. Whereas a startup journey is much more about character development and is much more inwardly focused.
1: So welcome to Outliers. Uh, This is a podcast with Outliers. Like uh, we keep talking and uh, you know, today we are with Sanjay Pathsati, who is who is quite an outlier, <laughs> and we will we will learn why. But uh, for those of you who are not uh, aware of Sanjay, Sanjay uh, is known more as uh, a veteran Microsoft, uh, one of the one of the executives who who led many important uh, divisions and projects at Microsoft, from .net uh, to you know even Microsoft.com. And uh, more famously, who, who, who got Bill Gates' uh, attention uh, to India, and uh, but and of course he he's he's been a cricketer, and he 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 talks about uh, the influence of cricket on his life and career, but these are not the reasons why I feel he's an outlier. I and I and he he started a very interesting entrepreneurial journey with uh, with Index. Uh, and I have been having conversations with him for a good four or five years. And it's been fascinating to to watch him from outside. And I've been meaning to sit down with him and get him to open up about how's this journey been and, and how does that contrast with the gig at Microsoft. So, Sanjay, welcome to Outliers. Thanks, Pankaj. <laughs> it's good to see you. Hmm. So... You know, before before we started recording, you were chatting about uh, this journey, okay. the journey with Index, yeah. and uh, you made a very interesting point, uh, which is about th- this startup journey was uh, more inward focused. Uh, let's start with uh, why did you become an entrepreneur and take us through yeah. the, the journey and then the key learnings, Sanjay.
0: Right. Um Well, I think it's probably worth starting with the Microsoft piece which, you know, it was my first job out of college Um, and I was there for almost 20 years and it was, it didn't feel like 20 years because it was more or less 10 different things of two years each Um, and you know I was lucky enough to be there when it was still a small company um, and you know, even when it was large it tended to act you know kind of as a small company. And so we had the freedom uh, to kind of do what we wanted mostly um, and you know what I enjoyed most was starting new things, new divisions, some of them ended up being know fairly large divisions in the end Um, but I started off you know know, as a product manager for multimedia and you know was um, involved in getting audio and video into the personal computer this was in 1991-92 and from there moved on to do interactive TV work in 92 way 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 before its time Um, and um, you know after that did a little Worked for Internet Explorer, and you know, then came to India to to run the uh, offices here, and then went back and did Microsoft.com and then. net, um, and you know, why was I at Microsoft so long? Because they gave me the opportunity to do different things, wildly different things. Um, but then also that led to uh, a question about you know, should I, you know, try this without a safety net, and that really was. Uh, one of the motivations to do a startup, although, you know, one of the one of the other motivations was also to kind of bring the kids and the family back to where I grew up and spend some time here. So you know, we were here as a family for about three years in Chennai, and you know, it, I think it was a good experience for everybody. Mm-hmm. It coincided with starting the company uh, in Chennai. It was intended to be a company for India in India, and. Uh, you know, then reality struck. (laughs) (laughs) And so we moved back uh, to start to build a product here, but build a business in the US. But what's the reality you're talking about? I think there are some...
1: The reality
0: is, I mean, we picked a very hard problem that is a new category. Um, And, you know, just just to describe what it is, we're trying to do for products what uh, Google Maps did for location. So, you know, our belief is that you know the next generation of shopping uh, is going to be very different, and you know it it'll impact advertising, shopping, couponing, um, you know even product search, um, and we're building the kind of platform to help that you know become more integrated into everything that we do, and you know that kind of a disruptive um, you know product doesn't find a ready market um, in in the emerging countries and so we realized that the customers were mostly in the US um, although one of the more disruptive <laughs> opportunity is in India but we can talk about that later yeah. uh, but you know that that was the motivation once we'd raise money to to go go to where the, the customers were uh, which we did take, take us through some of the key uh,
1: milestones or moments in, in your journey of building index where you would have said Heck, let me go back to something else. Were there such moments at all?
0: Of course. I mean, there are actually moments every day where you question your sanity, you question your, um, I mean, you know, uh, raison d'etre, if you will, reason for existence. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things that I realized is you never get to do that in a job, a corporate job like at Microsoft, right? Um, and that's what I mean by um you know a a a job at a large company is about career development much more outwardly focused whereas a startup journey is much more about character development and is much more inwardly focused and what i mean by that is <clears throat> the question you asked you basically have to question yourself your motivation your you know your core principles your character because you know that is just a normal part of being a a founder of a startup, right? so to answer your question in a long winded way, yes, I do this every day. <laughs> you question yourself every day. Could you have done something you know better uh, or different? Yeah, uh, how do you deal with those questions? Um, you know there's lots of different ways I think. It's, you start to focus on a few principles that matter because you then you know, try to get some touchstones you know, when, when you're in a particular situation. Um, you figure out how to react based on what's important to you, right? And just as, I mean, it's kind of like you know, your business metrics, right? When, you, when you're outwardly focused, you have a set of business metrics, right? When you're inwardly focused, you have a set of character metrics, what's important to you, right? Mm-hmm um so you know you spend you spend a lot of time and and some people call it culture and that's important for an organization um that's kind of the character metric for an organization right and so for us the, the the character metrics for the organization our culture is transparency and trust right um big hard problems you know uh support and fun right and similarly, you should have a set of personal character metrics that are important to you, and that's that's really what that's how you make decisions over time. And
1: uh, people also talk of entrepreneurial journeys as uh, journeys uh, of you know, like individuals. Like uh, some people even use terms like self-actualization, you know? mm-hmm. and 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 when you talk about more inward focus, right. I, I would I would imagine it, it's it's kind of like that i mean so what's changed in you as a person I, I mean yeah as an individual and good bad i mean
0: yeah i mean so so let's take let's take a couple of examples um when you're when i was at microsoft and again by the way this is don't this is not generalizable right i mean so um use it at your own peril um because it applies to me and maybe to nobody else um, mm-hmm. When you're at Microsoft or at a large company, you have the power, the brand, all of the assets and resources of a large company at your disposal. So you tend to do things in a slightly different way. You can be impatient. Um, You can talk more than you listen. Right. Not everybody does that. There are much more evolved beings at Microsoft who were patient, who listened and all that. But I wasn't. Um, and, you know, but when you when you do a startup, um, those things have to change because as a smaller company, you can't force things to happen, right? You have to be more patient. You have to go with the flow. You have to roll with the punches. And so one of the more, um, you know, interesting things is, has been my journey on this dimension of patience, right? Um, where, you know, it manifests in lots of different ways, right? You don't react to every piece of email. At Microsoft, you'd be proud to respond to every email within three seconds of it coming. And I used to be very proud of that. Now, I just let it lie for a little bit to see if it fixes itself. Sometimes you just let it go and things just resolve themselves because either people have misunderstood or miscommunicated or it's no longer important, or they had a bad day, or, you know, something external that, you know, caused that, that email, and you just let it lie for 24 hours. And it just goes away sometimes. Most of the times it goes away. That's a very simple, you know, way to think about, about patience. The other thing is, um, you know, you don't realize unless, until you start a company, that it takes 7 to 10 years to build anything worthwhile, right? You have all of these misconceptions about how you can build a billion-dollar company in two years or four years, and there are examples of that, right? Um, But those are the, you know, real, real, real exceptions. Most businesses, most startups, it it takes a while. You have to be patient. You probably have to change your plan two or three or four times, right? And so patience is one of those things that I've actually learned in the last seven years. Now, I'm not perfect, and I'm not as patient as I should be, but it's a it's a very, very dramatic difference. Patience can also be seen as a sign of weakness? No, I think it's a sign of strength. Because, you know, just just reacting all the time is you know, for me at least, would, would imply that I wasn't listening, I was talking, it, it means that I didn't take the time to understand, I didn't take the time to kind of, um, you know, really wait for the right opportunity, for the right person. I mean, let's take hiring, right? We tend to think that the world is going to end in a month, therefore we have to hire the best person that we see today. I have seen people being patient for six months to hire the right person. To me, that is a sign of strength, because the benefit of hiring the right person, even if it takes six months, is that longer term, it's less costly, it's better for the culture, it's better for the business, and so on, right? And so I think patience is one of those, they always, I mean, when when you're growing up, they tell you, you know, be patient, but they never tell you how. (laughs) Right. And so none of, most of us don't actually know how to be patient. Right. There are things you can do to be to understand what patience means. Right. And so, for example, I mean, again, uh, comparing the past with the present, um, I used to play cricket a lot. I used to play squash a lot. I used to play all kinds of sports a lot. Now I don't play any sports, but I run. Right. Running is the ultimate sport for patience. And there are others too. I mean, but cycling and you know, other things that can but, but for me, running has taught me more patience. Because there is no goal. I don't I don't run races, right? You run because you enjoy the process, you enjoy the act of running as opposed to where you're going. Right? And that basically, you know, I think teaches you patience. I mean, my co-founder, Sridhar, runs ultra marathons, right? And so, I mean, he just did the the seven-day Sahara run carrying all his food, but not his water thing. And so I've learned a lot from him um, about being patient. Um, And, you know, running is an example where you just, you just, you just do it. The process is more important than the goal. That's one of the, one of the, one of the best things about um, about patience is it helps you focus on the process, which is far more important than the goal. Because in a startup, you the goals will change. The process is more important.
1: Yeah, as a rookie entrepreneur, I, I can relate to a lot of that, lots of learnings. The, the other thing, Sanjay, is uh, when you are building a company mm-hmm. and you talk about it takes seven to 10 years, mm-hmm. Index. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, there would have been moments when, of course, like you are saying, every day you question why you're doing something. And then on the other hand, you will have a set of reasons for doing it. Right. Now, these journeys can be frustratingly yes. painful. Yes. Uh, let me ask this. Why have you stayed doing index? Yeah. And at, at what point in time <laughs> you, you thought, <laughs> you know, I, screw it, I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing this. And I have a follow-up question, but I sure. just want to understand why have you stayed with this? Right.
0: And again, that's, that's partly character building, right? Um, because you realize about year three that this isn't going to be easy. And it, it isn't a, you know, short kind of easy thing. And you, you start to realize, okay, now I've got to last another three, four, five, seven years. How do I do it? Right. One of the one of the more interesting questions is, as you know, you you see all of these pieces of advice, you know, um, you know, stay with the journey, you know. But then you then you ask yourself, how do I do that? You know, what are the tools to help me stay the course? Right. Because you're going to have these moments of panic, of anxiety, of and, and look, depression is a pretty big deal in the startup you know founder and startup kind of leader community how do you power through that right and so we've so personally i've found a few things i mean running is one you know meditation mindfulness um, is another having hobbies and is, is important for me it's music it's art right but there's also some constructs that are very important you realize that if you focus too much on outcomes then you are more likely to be down a lot more, right? And so one of the things that I'm starting to teach myself is to let go of outcomes. Enjoy the process and let go of outcomes. The toughest piece of all of this, and this is where I have the most to learn, is how to be positive every day, right? Because, um, you know, a lion could be eating your leg, but you still have to smile in front of your employees, your customers, your board, your constituents, right? And there are days where you know you're, you've got your, you know, uh, you know, there's this feeling at the pit of your stomach that things are not, you know, okay. But you still have to be positive. How do you do that? What do you do to do that? Now, in some people, some people are lucky. They just innately, you know, positive. You know, I have a friend, Michelle Gondel, who I don't think I've ever seen him negative about anything. Now, I'm sure he has his challenges, so I don't want to minimize any of that. But I envy people who can be positive all the time because that's not my nature. And I have to, you know, have to find the tools to, reign, to, to, to remain positive. And you tend to, you know, generally, and again, I don't want to overgeneralize, if you tend to be analytical... You tend to have this bias towards looking at things half empty all the time, right? And so, how do you how do you remain positive? Is is one of the huge challenges? And I don't have all the answers, but I have a lot of the tools that I think that helps me be more positive during the day. I mean, as I said, you've yeah. got you, you know you get up early and you spend a little time by yourself. You know, you organize yourself, you exercise, you you know enjoy your hobbies, you you meditate. Um, and that actually has a knock-on effect from everything, from patience to you know letting go of outcomes to being positive in the end. So, uh, th- th- am I being too philosophical here? No. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I mean, these these are these are things I've learned the hard way, and I think are worth sharing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I told you earlier. I think all so many of the things that I thought were important at Microsoft, like you know, meeting revenue goals or user growth and things like that, are, they continue to be important because you can't run a healthy business without them. But the more important things are the character-related issues which kind of help you, you know, reach the goal but reach it, you know, safe and sound. Because what's the point of reaching your goal if you're just a wreck? You know? So I like a question
1: uh, now when you are doing a startup mm-hmm. or when you're doing anything for that matter uh, you would look for signs or signals that help you make a decision whether you should keep doing it or not right now those that metric mm-hmm. will be out so-called outcome based right uh but now you talk about how you were trying to move away from it now if 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 you an entrepreneur is stuck with a startup Mm -hmm. you don't know whether it is a good idea to keep doing it or when to quit how do you make that decision because on one hand you will have this deep uh, i'm not calling it philosophical but you know i mean uh, entrepreneurs are also sometimes smoking you know yeah yeah how do you actually get to making this decision whether this is worth the journey or not
0: that is equally important because you could be wasting right. all your time. That's right. That's right. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's some healthy balance between persistence and patience um, and, you know, kind of a realization that um, you need to change. And the way we do it here, and again, it doesn't apply in every situation, is you listen to other people. So you don't just trust your instinct. And I tend to be very stubborn. Um, you know, um, you know the founder is attached to their idea a lot, and sometimes those ideas don't, don't work necessarily. And so you, you, you have to listen to other people, right? And that's where patience comes in. That's where the ability to listen comes in. And we've pivoted a couple times, right? Um, and it's basically because um, the organ- organization knows what to do. Um, and all you have to do is to listen to it. Your customers know. Your organization know. You're The, the founder is usually the last to realize it. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, one, because they tend to be, you know, have a little bit more of the stubborn streak, but they're also doing a lot of things. And so they don't necessarily have kind of the depth and everything to kind of make that decision. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, how do you, how do you fire someone, right? The founder is usually the last person to know that you should fire someone. Everybody else has figured it out and they're avoiding them. <laughs> same, thing with, same thing with pivots and changes and things like that. Um, the people around you know when it's time for change and you have these discussions and um, you know, sometimes they're hard to realize, but then you just kind of have to release the reins a little bit and listen to other people and they'll tell you what to do. There's no checklist. No, there's no checklist. There's no checklist. Because when you look at outcomes, I mean you're right. I mean, we've talked about this. Um, it could be that just one more year of pounding at it could change those outcomes, and it does sometimes, right? Um and it could be that ten more years would make no difference, right? So outcomes alone, I don't think are going to tell you whether something is healthy or not, whether you need to change or not, hmm. right? I mean, we, I mean, for example, we killed a SaaS app, you know, when it was growing really fast and, you know, it, it, and it looked very healthy, but, you know, something said that maybe that wasn't the way to go. And so we killed it, you know, when it was a substantial amount of revenue and we had no other revenue, right? Um, so, it was meeting all the metrics, but how do you how do you how do you make that change? And you make that change because some customers tell you. You start to see the signs. Some people tell you, and you listen. Now, it, the scheme in in the scheme of things, I don't even know if that's the right decision. Yeah. But still, I mean, you if you're going to make a change, you make it not just based on metrics.
1: It, isn't it also kind of uh, the famous Hudson uh, plane crash where Sully took the decision of landing it? In the river and and not follow a so-called checklist Uh, you know people talk about this incident from artificial (laughs) intelligence point of view Mm -hmm. like when you have not dealt with a problem before how do you deal with it right so there's
0: there is no that's why there's no checklist well you go with your instinct you i mean first, first thing is you listen to other people because your your instinct alone isn't always the best because it's got so many biases um built in so for me, the most important thing is to listen to enough people, right? And get advice, um, you know, in terms of a particular issue. That's why you have a board. I mean, you've got to make use of the board, for example, for this, right? And then you make a decision and you go with it, and then you need a lot of luck, right? I mean, landing in the Hudson, I mean, did require a little bit of luck. I mean, it was a good decision in the end, um, but... You know, there were a lot of things that were not completely in control, so luck comes into play. I think, I think the aspect of, I mean, we call it market timing, product market fit, and all of that kind of stuff. But um, it's just, a, you know, a rationalist view of luck. <laughs> <laughs> because you could be building absolutely the right product, but the timing could be completely off. Right?
1: And, and you know, I still remember talking to you four years ago when I was with TechCrunch. Uh, about index, mm-hmm. and uh, the talk was more around how you will build the world's biggest catalog, and yeah. uh, where where you are on the on on the journey, and why are you doing index? Mm-hmm. Uh, so some people do it for you know game, you know world changing uh, yeah. ambitions and things uh-huh. like that. What is the root cause of you doing
0: yeah index? Yeah, it's the idea. The idea is really important. The most powerful things in the world are the ideas, right? Whether it's good ideas or bad ideas, the idea is what, um, in the end, lets people stay with something uh, or and, and stick with something. So the idea was, um, as I said, to do for product information what Google Maps had done for location. Now look, I'm, I'm a big believer in the fact that the way we, just, just to kind of come down to, you know, more. I'm not pitching the business here. I'm not trying to sell what we're doing, but just to explain it, the the way the way we do shopping today, the way advertising is done today, um, you, you know, can be improved upon, right? Um, my view is just as GPSs and location awareness was built into phones. You know, the product awareness or the capability to. Buy and sell stuff will be built into these smart devices right the ability to recognize a product will be built into cameras the ability to extract you know information from images or sounds or voices is going to be built into these smart devices that should change the way you know ads are done for example or the way you discover products for example and it's interesting that Samsung is actually doing some of this stuff, right? You can, you can take a picture of something and you can, you know, you can figure out um, how, to, how to buy it. Uh, but it's still an app. It will be integrated into the operating system. That's my belief and that's the belief from day one. That's the idea that this notion um, of being able to engage in commerce is a, such a core fundamental part of every business model and everything that we do in our lives that it needs to be built into operating systems. And what we're doing is building kind of the skeleton, um, you know, I call it the catalog, you're really building the skeleton of the platform to make that happen. The question is, is it gonna happen tomorrow? Is it gonna happen five years from now? Is it ever gonna happen or not? But I think it will happen at some point. Just as, um, you know, there's location-based, location awareness and location-based services you know, work started in, in 1995, you know, and um, you know, in the early 2000s, Google bought a set of companies, including Keyhole Systems. And now, you know, 20 years later, we just take it for granted, right? That was the idea, to do the similar thing, but for products, because it can impact everything and everybody, because commerce is an essential part of everything that we do. That's the idea, and that's why People have stayed for five years, or six years, or seven years because that idea is interesting. It's powerful. It's disruptive. It's worthwhile. We may not succeed, but and on a on a more final note, uh, how
1: do you uh, handle or manage critique or criticism? Because you know, I mean, sometimes critique could dent confidence or, or whatever. But how 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 do you manage critique? Right. This,
0: again, is the difference between career development and character development. In a career development orientation, goal orientation, you would respond. Right? Um, In a character development orientation, you would take the time to think about it. It's just like email. Right? Um, There are some people who want zero inbox. They may not be the best thing. Because some things need to be thought through, especially criticisms, especially critical emails. Don't respond to it. It's not the zero inbox that matters, right? It's understanding what is being said, taking the time. And I think this is where, again, patience comes in. And I have forced myself not to respond to critical comments, which I wouldn't have done 10 years ago. I have forced myself not to respond to critical emails. Because you want to take the time to understand what people are saying. And what's interesting is you look at something at the end of the day and you come back to it the next day. Your whole perspective has changed. Because you've come into it at the end of the day with a set of biases that have built up during the day. Right? And when you look at it with fresh eyes, your understanding is completely different. Sometimes I realize I've even misunderstood the email or misunderstood the criticism you know in the moment so giving it some time now if you're mindful and if you're perfectly mindful your reaction would be the same whether it's now or later but some of us have not evolved to that point and so for those some of us taking the time even if it's half an hour or an hour or preferably overnight if it's not urgent it can make the biggest difference in how you react to that that makes sense
1: the whole patience yeah yeah thanks Sanjay this was really really enlightening and I very and, and I think what I liked about this is you, you relate you could relate it with the real experiences and your own journey it wasn't academic at all okay.
0: <laughs> so, so thank you alright sometimes I worry I'm just too inside my head and all of this is philosophical mumbo jumbo but you know The entrepreneurial journey is hard, and people say that it's hard. Everybody recognizes it's hard. But, you know, there are all these tools for managing a business, but there are no tools for managing yourself. There are tools, but those are not well understood or appreciated or shared. Um, And I think more can be done there. Yeah,
1: clearly, clearly. Stay this way.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Thanks.